Go get go. Today's stuff is um, today's stuff is ninety. Is um, is is starting, but we pick up on. Excuse me a second. This uh, thing's memory is full. Which I do it on here. Uh, but we we pick up on Peyton on the bet. Um, before we do it, I want to read a quick toast because yesterday we had discussed uh, the the point about um, about what do you call it about um, uh, that uh, that if you sell a, a star a star you can be mochel it. So I sell Michael the, the mm-hmm. Charlie owes me a thousand dollars and uh, I'm not so sure I'm going to be able to collect. And anyway, it's a few months off. So Michael's willing to buy it for five hundred dollars. A big business stuff buying debt. You know, comes in buy credit card debt or buy debt. Anyway, anyway, uh, Michael goes to collect to Charlie, but before he does, I say, Charlie, give me a hundred bucks. Charlie, give me a hundred bucks, and I said, I'm mochel it to you. And Shmuel said, Okay, now Michael can't collect because ultimately he's collecting through me. So obviously, as you can imagine, that would sort of destroy the entire market. Okay, so Tosfos, you know, deals with um, uh, this, and he says like this. Um, uh, we are, I'm at the Tosos at the top of Peytetum and Beth, that's the middle of the Tosos, not where, the Deber Matzos on the previous page, okay, um, uh, the Im Tomar, it's the, la- it's the f- fourth line from the top, the first wide line, people see that, yeah, yeah. okay, the Im Tomar says, Tosos says, since we said that a woman would vada be mochel if she was selling her tsuba because uh, she would be mochel for her husband's sake that he wouldn't have to pay. So my kamalel omdim kamalim rosalite miksuba shelzo. Like you know when it says oh you assess how much somebody would buy miksuba for. Shuma dam lo yiknosa. Nobody would be stupid enough to buy it. Even the vada mochel should definitely be mochel it. Vicholim edim lomar ma'asadimach to the kamalel in tovah kanal lebal. Okay, we won't worry about that. Here's the way you could make a, sell a debt without it being voided. You could give somebody a mashkon. So basically, um, I sell, you know, um, how does this work? I sell Michael the debt, and I guess I give him collateral that were I to be mochel if he could just take the collateral instead. Something like that. Um, or there's a cosigner. Use something external to make it sure that I'm not going to be mochel. They doesn't point the netter into it easy. I make a shrew, I won't be mochel. Okay, the exact mechanism of the aregut and the mashkonot he doesn't spell out. But shelotimcha. Avakani yesh la tishalim v'neimla ein mishubes v'nizak latos lo. Latos lo kiyum. Okay? Um, so, you know, he then wonders why in our case doesn't it say, you know, sell, tell the woman to sell the ksuva and do one of these things, do a shrua, do a nether, and so on. But basically, anyway, Tozos is clearly aware of the problem. And the fact that he throws out these ideas, mashkonare, hu, shrua, neder, sounds like he's also talking about some type of a contemporary phenomenon about ways that they would, you know, enforce this or make sure that, that uh, people would not be mohel. Anyway, I just thought that that was very interesting. Well, that, sure. That's historically significant because the modern financial system would be hundreds of years after just what realized this problem back in the Middle Ages. Right. I mean, all, uh, what do you call it, all, um, um, you know, uh, money, the whole, pre- you know, the whole bi- ability to, to have, like, you know, uh, well, you know this better than I do, but the whole way, you know, you're able to have the currency in a significant yeah. sense is because you're able to deal with uh, these things about yeah. the debt. Okay, anyway, so let's continue in the Gemara. So again, today's topic is Safsari, and we pick up on the bottom of Peitada's bet. And we are discussing the issue of Takana's Usha. 
Kasusha, there was a claim, there was a question about a, a woman who sold her ksuva and, um, to her, or gifted her ksuva to her son, or you can deal with that son, her ksuva, and, um, does that work? Because, uh, here, she owns her, she has the title to her love, the husband eats the payroll. Since she has the title, is she able to transfer that title? And the Gemara said, if you say, the husband's owning the payroll, it does not give him a type of ownership over this, then in principle she would be able to sell it. But to Kanesh Usha, there was a claim that there was a Takana in Usha, which was soon after Kanebiyavna, that a husband had greater rights to the property than he technically deserved, and that would block the wife from selling her love. But that has been not so clear that everybody agrees that that kind of exists. And that's what the Gemara is now going to turn to. So let's take a look. The Gemara says like this. Um, uh, Lema, it is about 10 lines from the bottom, maybe 12 lines from the bottom, I'll pay 10 like that. Lema Tekanas Usha Tanayi. Let's say this question of whether there is this Tekanas Usha is a debate of Tanayi. The Tani Chada, one time, we teach him one time, Abdei Yotim B'Shein Ba'ayin. Let's say this is not a piece of land. Let's say the stuff she comes in and she has title to are slaves. Okay? So she has title to slaves, and he eats the payros. What does it mean that he eats the payros? They work for him. They work for him. They work for him, but they're her slaves. Okay? That's a, that's a nixtimulog. Now, one of them knocks out the slave's eye or tooth. Does the slave go free? So the question is, who is the slave's master? Okay? So let's take a look. We have one right to teach this. That if the woman knocks out the nine sheets, it goes free. Have a low leash. That's a man. That would mean the woman is considered the owner. The kind we have another right Low leash for low leash. Neither the man or the woman. So that's a great arrangement you can do to get out of this whole Allah of Shane and I. And of course, you could always just admit it or something. Anyway, but okay. Savruah, now what's this base? We assume the Chuyamakim Pesachim Nagufdam. Everybody agrees with Reish Lakish that the right to pay roads by itself does not make you like an owner. So we start with the idea that the husband is not the owner because it's Kinnipayros is not enough. So then, what's the issue? My lap, Akinifki. Must be, this is what they make. The woman is considered the owner. So, he doesn't alter Kazusha. Woman has the title, husband has the payroads. Payroads aren't enough. Woman is the owner. When she knocks out this eye, the tooth, she goes free, but not the husband. Okay? Umadama Lolisha Lolisha, the one that says not the husband or the wife, is like the Khanasusha. Has the Khanasusha. Now, the Khanasusha doesn't make the husband the owner and not the woman. We start with an idea that the woman is fundamentally the owner. The husband has King Imperos. The Khanasusha gives the husband more power. Now, then, you go after the question. Does it give him, like, blocking and veto power? And, you know, does it make him an equal owner to the wife? It seems here that the Kamas Usha would be more what it is able to do to prevent the wife than what it does to empower him. Because otherwise, you could say, why doesn't they go out free for either of them? You know? But the point is, no. It doesn't go out free for the wife, because she, anyway, if you think about it in this way as well, going out free... Is you know the you know you know could be sort of similarly to like selling. If you have the ability to change the status, to give it away. So if you say to Kanazusha, the wife doesn't have the ability to give him away because the husband can block it. The husband doesn't have to give it. Have the right to give the slave away because the wife has idle. So basically, if neither of them can give it away, neither of them can set him free. Okay, so that presumably that is the debate. And if it's just the wife, it means the husband can't block it, and you don't hold it for Kanazusha. Okay, so the says, isn't that what they're debating? So there are too many facts, there are too many, you know, um, um, what do you call it, um, uh, factors here um, to, to nail down what the debate is. So the is going to deal with some other possibilities. Um, no, no, I can say everybody holds up the kind of 
So then why would the wife be able to set the slave free by knocking out the eye of the tooth? Ella can't go to Takana, Kamakana. Maybe one of these prices was taught before the Takana. The Ebay same, or I can tell you, I divide Lakar Takana. They both it's after the Takana. The Islahu Takana Susha and you hold of Takana Susha. So if the husband can block the wife from selling, why could the wife, by knocking out the eye of the tooth, make the slave go free? So Ella, the mandam of the Isha, below the Ish, the one that says for the woman and not the man, that she can, even though he could block her from selling, um, my time, or what's the reason, to the Rav, like Rav would say. The Amar Rav, because Rav says, Hektish chametz v'shichur maskiin midei shiabud. That if you sanctify something, or it becomes Tesach, and it becomes chametz and asher behanan, or you free a slave, that undoes a lien, which basically means the following. Michael here, has a lien on my slave. I'm not, no, we'll talk, we'll talk for, with Hector. He's got a lien on my, on my cow. Now, normally you don't have liens on cattle, but I can give him an apothecary and I give him a lien on my cow. If I sanctify the cow as Tibetic Habayas, I donate it to the temple treasury, Michael can take it out of the temple treasury. It's just like, that's fundamentally about transferring ownership. We've discussed this before. So the same way if I sold it to, uh, you know, you know um, to, to Dove, you know, Michael could take it away from Dove. If I gave, sold it to the temple or gave it to the temple, Michael could take it away from the temple. But if I am Makdishit as a Korban, remember we've discussed this, that's not fundamentally about changing ownership. That's about changing its identity. It is now something that is different. It is now a sanctified object. It's now an Ola, right? There's something about its status that has fundamentally changed. It might not even be owned by the base of Mikdash, but it's a different type of a thing, okay? And so in that case, basically that new status is not something that now, you know, I can now take, okay? Because it's completely new identity. And the same is true, the, the more easier example would be, well, let's say Chumet. Now, of course, the question by Chomet is, where do you have a lien on Chomet and so on? A non-Jew has a lien on my Chomet, and I keep it in my house over Pesach, and it becomes Asr Behanah. In that case, once it changes that status and becomes something Asr Behanah, it's a status change, he cannot go ahead and now take it because it's fundamentally a different object. Now, one way of understanding this, the way the Ushami says it, you could just say that's enough. It's a fundamentally different type of a thing. It's, you know, it's transformed, so, there's, so it goes away. But the Ushami also says that, like, you know, at least in the case of, like, Hektesh, it wouldn't be true by Asr Behanah, because the Chomet is an Asr Behanah to the non-Jew. But in the case of Hektesh, if Michael was able to take the cow, right, then it would suddenly mean that he's asserting his ownership, which would basically mean that the hectish status would have to go away. But something can't become hectish and then Corbin hectish and then magically stopping the Corbin. Okay? But it's not necessarily limited to that. Um, the fundamental idea is that there was a change of status. Okay? Similarly, freeing the slaves. Michael has a lien on my slaves, and I free them. They become now freemen. How can he now go ahead and take up somebody who's now a free man and, take, and make him into a slave? That's, you know, or, you know, that's the biggest change of status. The biggest thing that is obvious that his asserting his liens would be meaningless at that I mean, how did they do it in, in Arakanani to begin with? They took free people and made them slaves. Uh, yeah, after they conquered the nation in battle or something okay. like that. But this is a person that now is a Jew and is free. What are you going to do? You're going to go ahead and conquer him in battle? You can't just assert your liens and assert his status, okay? So, so, so even though you're distinguishing between ownership and identity, they're, they're linked with each other. Well, when it changes its identity, any no longer the same ownership object. issues go away, right? So therefore, what the Gemara is saying is, since the woman has title, now this is the part of the thing though, because if a random person knocked, or the husband knocked out the eye or the tooth, he wouldn't say, oh, the shikhrur is maskiyat midei shiabud of the woman. 
You have to fundamentally start with your role as the owner of the slave, which the woman is. The husband is not. She starts with her role as the owner of the slave. She knocks out the eye of the tooth. The lover is the slave goes free. The husband says, no, I'm blocking it because I have liens. Like she could block a sale. So here's what's the sorry. You can't block it. There's a fundamental change of status. It's not just a sale. And therefore, when the state now becomes a free person, your liens, your rights, don't have the right to block that, to block that from happening. Okay? So now, so that's the reason that it could be the wife even after Tukhanas Grusha. Wait, so, excuse me, I'm sorry. So, so the, da- the injury is coterminous with the shift in identity of the Ebed. Right. The moment the eye is knocked out, he's no longer an Ebed. Correct. He's a free person. Correct. That is correct. So Rav is, 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 uh, is the Mahokha, then. So that's why well, that's what the one is going to say. So Lehman to Rav Tanayi, so would that mean that Rav would have to concede that his position is a debate of Tanayim? If everybody agrees it's after Tukhanas Grusha, and one says that the wife can set him free because of this whole idea of, of Shikhrur, you know, you know pr- uh, uh, prevent, you know, making the husband's leads irrelevant, <coughs> what does the other one all? Presumably the other one disagrees with Rav. Everybody could agree with Rabbah. Here the question is, maybe the rabbis made the husband's liens so strong that they made him like an owner, not just like a lien, but like an actual partial owner. Okay? And so much so that the, what the woman does would not... Now, let's say you have two partners and one of them knocks out the eye. Right? What happens there? Does he go free or not go free? You know? So you have to understand the exact mechanism that he's not just a lean, he's an owner and enough of an owner to block the, you know, to block the, the, the wife. I don't know, I have to check that. Okay, so, um, that's to be homework for the student. Okay, the Eli said, if you want, I could say, the Kuleyama lays Lulani tonight to Kanis Bulusha. Here's another way of explaining the debate. None of these tonight hold of the Kanis Bulusha. And here, the debate is the old Rabbi Yochan Reish Lakish debate. Okay? I mean, forget Kenyan Usha. There's no Usha. So she has title. So she should be able to sell or she should be able to free the slaves. But he has Kenyan Ateros. So what would block it? Not kind of, uh, well, let's take a look. Okay? Uh, uh, what, would, what would block it? Not the kind of Usha, but what would block it would be a position of Kenyan Ateros, Kenyan Haguf. That the king of Peros makes him like an owner. So, so because your is, uh, is needed if you hold like Ray Shluckish, the king of Peros loves the king of Peros. But if you hold like Ray Yochanan, you already have the right to block exactly. it. Okay. So Gemara says, the king Now, okay. So and so that's another way Now, this debate of this question of the slave going free and who knocks out the eye, etc., parallels this following debate of tonight. Let's take a look. We turn to Brisa. I sell my slave to Michael, and uh, I say, but he's gonna, but he's gonna work for me for the first thirty days. You own him now, but I'll get the first, I'll get the next thirty days of work from him. He's in the middle of a job. I don't want him to, you know, stop the job. Give it. It works for me for another thirty days. So I have. What do I have? Kenyan payros for thirty days over this slave. Okay, here's going to be the question. Rav Yosi Savar, Omer Shneim Yeshnam B'din Yomo Yomayim. This is not the question of the slave going free. This is the question of, you know, which might be connected to the ability to sell the slave um, without the other one blocking it. This is the question that if a master beats his slave, give a bunch of lines. I'm sorry. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, where are we? 
So the question here is, thank you, um, not, not going free, but in the Torah, the Torah says, again, this is such, such the radical sort of, you know, chiddish uh, of the Torah, that while not changing the deep societal institution of slaves as property, you know, also recognizes them as human beings and would say that a master who too, so, too, so harshly beats his slave that he dies within a day or two, the master is put to death. Okay, which is crazy. Like, you would never have heard about that in ancient society. So, that's the luck of Yomo Yomayim. It says a day or two. What does that mean, a day or two? Like, which one is it? But okay, that's not our halacha right now. But the point is that who is the master? I, right? Now here, if some stranger beats the slave and he dies five days later, that person is put to death. It's only the master that is given like this idea that if it takes more than a day or two, well, you did have a right to beat him. You were the master. So if it was more than a day or two, we would say it was not an overly vicious beating, and therefore you're not, you're, you're not liable to death penalty. But some stranger who beats him, if it was so bad that he died within five days or whatever, you know, now, of course, the question is, was he trying to kill him? Of course, would you execute somebody for, you know, for when, when, when it was a, a likely outcome, but not, a, but not intentional or not a definite outcome? Again, we're not going to worry about that. The basic point, though, is that the master gets off if it takes more than a day or two. Okay, because he fundamentally had a right to, you know, to be his slave. This is the reality of the institution. So the question is, who is the master? One person has the right, has the pay road for 30 days. He's working for Ruvain for 30 days, but Shimon holds title. Who, right? Which yeah. one is the master if he beats yeah. him and dies, and if it took more than one or two days, the person would get off. So let's take a look. Okay? So, Rabbi Meir Omer, Rishon Yeshem Bedin Yom Yomayim, the first guy who, only the first guy, only the first guy who he's working for, Nishim Tachtav, because he's directly under his control. Okay, now you could have just said, based on the logic I did, this has nothing to do with Kenyan Aperos. This has to do with the idea that if he's working for me, I have the right to beat him. Michael might have title, but if he's not yet working for Michael, why does Michael have the right to beat him? Right, you could have made it practical in that sense. But the Gemara doesn't. The Gemara makes it formal. The Gemara says like this. Okay, um, uh, the Kinyan Aperos is like, that Ruben has over him, is like a Kinyan Aguf, and this is, by the way, more than we've considered before. He's a Kinyan Aguf more than the person that has title, right? The guy he's working for is the master, and the guy who has title is not considered the master. So this is a more extreme version of Kinyan Aperos, Kinyan Aguf. Okay. No, it's the guy who has title. He is considered the master. He's the one who owns him, which is a way of saying he has title. The king of Paris does not make Reuben the owner. Shimon has title. Shimon is considered the owner. So here it's either all Reuben or all Shimon. They're both owners. Now, I would have said that Kinyan is the Kinyan Aguf, and you have two people that have a Kinyan Aguf, the guy with the title and the guy with the right. But the Gemara frames it differently. The Gemara says, he's uncertain. Kinyan Aguf Dami, is it like Kinyan Aguf or not? So we don't know which one is the master, and since we don't know which one is the master, we're not going to execute either of them. Okay? Now, what? Because I said, Dinah Yomayim gets the master off if the slave lasts longer. 
Now, again, it's interesting. From, from yesterday, Key and Hapero seemed like it was only strong enough to maybe allow for a block. It was strong enough to make me maybe an equal owner. Here, the Gemara is dealing with Key and Hapero, as if it's the Sinai group, makes you the only owner. So the only way the Gemara can understand Rabbi Yossi is by saying he has a suffix. It's not willing to consider that Kenya Peres is an equal owner to the Kenyan Hagur. Okay, so that's Rabbi Yossi's position. Um, Rabbi Eliezer Omar, there are four possibilities here, okay? We've co- we're going to cover all four of them. Okay, A or B, A and B, neither A nor B. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, neither. The guy, the, oh, the guy who has title because he's not working for him, but that was the Shaino Gaspo, and the other one is because he doesn't own him. So you basically need both. In order to be considered the master, you <coughs> have title, and he has to work for you. So how does this fit into our Kenyan affairs? Again, you could have made this debate completely local, completely just about this issue of Yom Yomai. The Gemara is making it part of a more global question. So what's this about? So I'm a rabbi, my time is Rabbi Eliezer. So the only way we can explain Rabbi Eliezer is to make it a local concern. Because, again, by the Kenyan Paris issue, it could either be all A or all B, or a doubt, which gives it to A and B. Like, how do you explain neither A nor B? So for this, we have to say it's a, a special local halacha. Okay? My time is Rabbi Eliezer. Amakra, the verse says, Ki katspohu. Lo yukan, the master will not be, the slave will not be avenged, because the slave ultimately was the master's property. Ki katspohu. Okay? Katspo, katspo, his property, and maybe the extra word who, means kasfoham yuchadlo, something that is fully his property. So therefore, it only applies to something that he has title to, and it's an active and meaningful title that he actually is working for. Um, you know, the, the other day, uh, Dan Margulies pointed out that some of these issues parallel, and particularly this one, the teaching of Rabbi Yochanan earlier about, you know, a Goslin, you know, can't be, uh, and if Goslin steals something, he can't be mockish and the owner can't be mockish. The owner can't be mockish because it's Ainu Bishuso, and the Goslin because it's Ainu Shalom. And you have to have, like, both. That the sense of ownership requires both that you own it and it be under your control. Well, you know, there's something very similar to you. You could say if one guy has Kina Bears and one guy has Kina Goof, neither of them are the owner. Okay? And that's basically what Robert says, at least for the purpose here of slaves, of the slave in Yom of your mind. Whether we're going to expand that in a minute, we will see. Yeah. But would you say it's similar also, let's say, to a rental agreement, right? I own the house, you're renting it to me, I can just come in whenever I want. Right. Take, that is take correct. share from right. the house. Right. Now, Ramon actually <laughs> says that what a rental is in general is a Kenyan Haperos Lizman. That's the way the Ramam said it. Right, yeah. So you have the rights of usage for a limited time. Right. right. So, so it's like this case. Type of title. Right, right, like this case of the Shlo Shin Yo. Right. Right. Okay, right. yeah. Capital punishment. Uh, if neither of them own the slave, then why isn't somebody just responsible as a non-owner for killing the They are. Because neither of them have the luck of Yom Yomayim. Right. They would, e- either of them would be executed if, if the slave died, even if he died many days later. Oh, and obviously he exempts both the original owner and the buyer. Um, I think you're ta- I think you're looking at the note about Rabbi Eliezer. Not about... Uh, Rabbi Yosei, I think it's for that. What? It says... Um, I mean, not Rabbi Eliezer. You're looking Rabbi at the Yosei. note about Rabbi Right. Right, Rabbi We're talking about Rabbi Eliezer. Right, Rabbi Yosei, they, they, they both are... Rabbi Yosei, they're both considered the master. Or each one might be the master. So if the slave lasts more than more than two days, a day or two, whatever, five hours, yeah, okay, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Did Rambam uh, talk about a term of rent that is an absurdly long time? Uh, or 
Not, not that I know, but I'm not going to now. Okay, so the mercy is like this. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Now, who, who is it going like that, which I mean, teaches? So now we're going back to this idea of can you have an idea that King of Pairs and King of Gulf means neither of them are considered really fully have have full rights as owner. Okay, they so so here seems to be an Amemer's teaching. They jointly could try to sell Hanichse Milov and they're not able to do it. Now Raji says that's different than partners. If it's partners, I own 50%, but I'm a full owner over 50%. And Michael's a full owner over 50%. So I can sell my 50%, and he can sell his 50%, and together as partners, we sold our joint plot of land. But in this case of the Nixemilo, okay, now Michael will be Michelle, okay. <laughs> so, so I have title, but, but, I mean, excuse me, I have the right of payroll, but I can't sell it. I don't have title. He's got title, but he can't sell it. Because he doesn't have payrolls, and if King Tesar King Nagov, then he doesn't really have control of the control so over an enemy. They both come and join. I understand. Not a line. No, 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 the way we would have to do it is you would have to give me your King of Payros, and then I would be able to sell it. Or I'd have to give you. I'm just. I'd have to give you my King of Payros, and you would sell it. You have to give me your title, and I would sell it. Okay, but there's no way we can both. Which we're not. There's no concept of like creating a corporation. You're trying to sell your part, I'm trying to sell my part, and neither of us can sell our part. But even if you don't sign at the same time. Right, so what it shows you is it's not because I can block you, it's just because objectively you don't have enough rights. You know, you're not enough of an owner to transfer even what, even the thing that you own. But you, you don't have enough of that status of an owner. Okay? So, is your Shemach of an Insemi Lob? That's like Rabbi Yezer that basically says that the split, King of King of neither of them have a title of owner. Okay, so Man Tana Lahad Tana Rabban. Who is the Tana of that which we taught in the Brayta? Mishchetiv Rebbe Bechetiv Ben Chovim. Somebody that's half slave, half free. Okay, the Chaim Ever Shel Shnei Shutafim, or of two partners. Now, because I just said two partners is really not a problem, Tosu says this partners means essentially what we said before: one owns title and one owns payrolls. Ain Yosef Berosha Ivarim Shenam Chosrim. They don't go free by the uh, you know by the knocking out of the eye. So who's that going like? Now, so basically, I think I mentioned that before, right? What if you have two partners and one of them knocked out the eye and so on? The simple sense of this Brita is, is that you have to be 100% owner, not only qualitatively, but even quantitatively. So if he's half free and you only own the other half, or you're a partner and you knock out one of the eye, you only own 50%, so he, you're not a 100% owner, he doesn't go free. So I'm going to rub him. Maybe both knock out. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I'm going to, that's the question. Why when one owner knocks out, one partner knocks out the eye, doesn't he at least go half-free? Um, so I'm going to rub Mordechai and Ravashi. How can I remember which way to rub? Rebbe Eliezer, he, it's like Rebbe Eliezer. Me lo'am Rebbe Eliezer, kaslo miyuchadlo. Hachinami abdo ha miyuchadlo. Then he makes a drusha from that pasuk. Yours, you have to be full here too. You have to be fully your slave before you go free. Now again, this is hard because the simple sense here is not just qualitatively you have to be a full owner, but even quantitatively. And that's very strange, right? So, so Tosos, as I said, tries to say this is also a case of King Pesach, King Nagov, but maybe that's why the Gemara here again quotes a possum and refers to a possum. Right? Maybe in general, in all other areas, of course, if you're normal partners, you can tell your half, you can tell his half. But if there's a special drusha in the Pasuk, maybe that drusha in the Pasuk is telling us for this halacha of Shane and Ayin, you have to be both a full qualitative and full quantitative owner. And therefore, even if you, are, even if you are own 100% of half of him, 
you can he doesn't that half does not go free. Okay, so that was the end of that whole discussion of Kenyan Paris Kina Guf and the woman's right to sell her property. Okay, next Mishnah. Um now we are moving back to discussing Bosha. Okay, um embarrassment or shame. Uh, uh, so um so let's take a look. And what we're gonna find is interesting is it, this is so ironic. You know, the um the whole case of the payments all are a case by case assessment. How much would this damage affect the market price? How much was the doctor bills? How much was this person willing to take to undergo or to prevent this type of pain and suffering? Okay, so embarrassment also, right? How much is this person, you know, embarrassed by this thing? Now, exactly how would you say that? I guess it would be something similar to the suffering question. How much money would you take to undergo this embarrassment? But that, you know, if you remember by the suffering, I was a week where I wasn't here, but, you know, there's the reverse question is, how much would you pay to prevent this suffering? And there's a lot, there's very different answers to those two, which a lot have to also do with what your financial, you know, wherewithal is. Anyway, but okay, but it would be an assessment by the case by case. And the Mishnah before said, It's all going based on the embarrasser and embarrassee to assess how shameful or how embarrassing that experience was. Okay, given that, what we find is by Boshet as opposed to by anything else, Chazal tried to set six amounts. Maybe because it was just too hard to assess, okay? And that, and so let's take a look we at our next time. Uh, again? Right? Yeah, well, we are, actually. Okay, okay. somebody who basically hits his friend on the ear. No um, sell. Give him a sell, which is like four zuz. A hundred zuz. So to give you some sense, right, a ksuba was 200 zuz. And they, 200 zuz was basically, I think, I read somewhere, roughly the amount it would take for a, like, to, you know, for, uh, to provide for a person for a year. Okay? So, so 100, so, you know, uh, again, I don't know what, what the minimum wage, you know, if you factor on minimum wage, but let's say now, what do we say now, like, the poverty amount is, you know, minimum wage, like 20,000, 30,000, something like that? Okay? Not even that for minimum wage. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, so, okay, so 100 zuz would be half of that. I don't know. You're right. No, you would say it no, that means to yell into you, but anyway. Yeah, okay. Not like conversation I, or I know, I know. It's not. <laughs> so anyway, okay. But again, what, um, you know, uh, Rabbi Yehuda is 25 times the Tanakhama. I'm sorry. The, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Not, yeah, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda, the name of Rabbi Yehuda is 25 times the Tanakhama. Sotto, if you slapped him in the face, so no sinoma times these, 200 zos, okay? The full value of a ksuva, think about it that way, for slapping somebody in the face. Okay, in public. Yeah. With the back of your hand, which is a way of like showing like, you know, like contempt, thank you. Um, 400. Saram Ba'azno, if you yank him by his ear, okay, I had a teacher that once did that to me in grade school. Okay, Talosh Bissaro, yank me by my ear to the principal's office. Talosh Bissaro pulled his hair, I don't mean pulled out or pulled him by the hair. Rakak Vigia Baroko spat at him and the spat hit him. Hevir Taliso Mimenu pulled off his cloak. Talis here does not mean a prayer shawl. Pulled his cloak off of him. The way, way, it's or? not clear. Presumably he was. Might have been wearing underwear or something. Parak Rosha Yishabashuk. Okay. Oh, wow. You uncovered a woman's hair, so you're uncovering stuff that's obviously normal covered. Nozin lo arba meyotzos. 
four hundreds of I'm gonna to have to go back to that teacher. I have some serious <laughs> money coming to me. Yeah, okay. Is nothing low just generic and nothing would be that for the husband? Let's say Parosha Isha is no, 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 the woman. Yeah, nothing low is a generic, right. That cloud, this is the principle. Hakola seeks no doubt. It all is based on the person's honor. So what do you mean? There's a principle you look in, you fix them out, and then you say, Oh, by the way, it all depends on the person's honor. So I'm so Gamar's gonna to try to make sense of that. I'm a Rabbi Akiva. So it seems like Rabbi Akiva is trying to be metarate these two ideas. Six to mouth and the Zahaklah. And Rabbi Akiva is saying, even, it was quoted last week, even the poor are basically, we all come from Adam Yitzhak and Yaakov. We are all like, you know, you know, descendants of kings and princes, okay? Like, you know, you have that nowadays, right? Descendants of royalty. You know, they might be, you know, they might be poor, but they're descendants of royalty. There's a difference between, you know, class and wealth. Um, so anyway, so everybody comes from the upper classes, even if they're poor. They could be the poor upper class. And therefore, um, for, and the issue about honor, it's not a question about how wealthy you are. It's a question about your social standing. Okay? And you could, so that's, a, I mean, and that's very, you know, true. I read this book, what's called The Paying Guest, which is about this case about this, like, upper class family that basically had, you know, had no money, so they had to take in boarders. But you don't want to actually say you're renting out your house. So they were paying guests. So anyway, <laughs> but there's a difference between class and wealth. And Reggie Q says we all are from the upper classes. So therefore, everybody has a high level of bullshit you know, a high payment. So what he's trying to do is saying, these numbers given, it seems like he's saying, these numbers given in the mission, which are very, very high numbers, numbers you would expect only for somebody from the upper class, how could we say that they apply by everybody? What about how full Kolosik photo? Yes, how Kolosik photo, and everybody has maximum covers. Yes. I just want to, Ani, Aniim is just supposed to be a Chorin. So is Aniim here really mean an Ebed Givri? Or is it, right, no, it's not parallel. It should be Ashirim, Anim and Ashirim. Yeah, so, um, no, so at the good point, and I think that I'll just say, mention, you know, it's very interesting when we talk about Pesach, we talk about, you know, reclining and drinking wine to act as free people. Right. But what do you mean free people? Maybe that's wealthy people. It's not free people. So actually, you know, what, 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 Rabbi, what we are saying here is like, it does often go together, but, you know, what we actually mean is people of the, you know, upper class, and that often comes with this wealth and this type of luxurious lifestyle. But yes, that's why that you can be a b'nechorin sheyardu minichseyen. You can be a poor free person, a poor person from the upper classes. That's that's exactly the point. Okay? Right, that's a good point. Right, that's a good point. Right. Umazda, this is such a great story. There's a story, the Echachapar Rosha Isha Bashok, he uncovered the air of a woman in the marketplace. Thus we stay ready Akiva. So she came to Akiva for Jintora. Akiva we came to Arbame Azuz, like the Mishnah says, for Mizuz. Amalo Rebbe, Amalo, so the Lulunigan said, Rebbe, Tainlizma, give me a week to pay her. That's when Lizman, fine, you have a week. Shama, so he watched her, Omedafalapetach, one day where she was like by the, her door, you know, the front of her door, excuse me, the, the, uh, the uh, opening of the yard, and the yard would open into the public domain, the Rashid Harabim. The shower as a cardifanel. So he was walking down the street and he did a little device. You know, you ever know him on the TV shows where they have the person coming in and testifying about whiplash and somebody drops them and they look behind them yeah, yeah, in the yeah. middle of the court that the person doesn't have whiplash. <laughs> so something like this. So he's walking by and he drops a little, a little like vial of oil, 
right, you know, in front of her, in, in, in the Rosh Hashanah, and she's there by their, her yard. So what does she do? So, uh, uh, there was like a dollar's worth of oil in it. Vigil says Rosha, she took off the covering of her hair, right? So she took the oil, look, here's an opportunity to oil my hair, right? So apparently that's something they would do. So she was not care about exposing her hair in public. If it gave her an opportunity, she wanted the oil, she wanted the oil, right? Exactly, exactly. So she was willing to uncover her own hair to get a dollar's worth of oil. Okay. Hemi no aid, and yet witnesses see this. Okay. Upali sne radi akiva, kings radi akiva, amalei. To this type of a woman, I'm going to give 400 zoos for exposing her hair. She was willing to do it for a dollar's worth of oil. Amalei, zola marta klum. He said that's meaningless. So, if a person injures himself, he's not allowed, but there's no payment. Others who injure him have to pay. Somebody who cuts his young sapling, you're not allowed to cut even your own saplings. There's no payment. Others are liable. She, it's true, she did something stupid. She shamed herself. But the objective value of that shaming is 400 zones. Even though she was willing to do it, for one zuz, okay? So, therefore, the fact that she was willing to do it doesn't change the objective value of that shame. Now, Rabbi Akiva's counter-argument is not so good, because, I mean, or whatever, it's different, because his point is, that's different. There, there's an objective injury, right, to the body that you did to yourself, That's and, you know, whereas here, she doesn't consider this an embarrassment. But that was exactly Rabbi Akiva's point. No. I don't care whether she considers it an embarrassment or not. Objectively, I'm saying the same way there's an objective injury to the body. Somebody's arm is cut off. That's an objective reality, whether the person did it to himself or somebody else did it. There's an objective reality that we're all from different classes, even those of us, even people who are willing to act in this way, ultimately there's an objective. Now, that also makes a high sense of responsibility. If you see yourself as always from the upper class because of your heritage of Aram Yitzhak you always have to be like, you know, act to represent that. Um, the flip side of, the, of Rebbe Akiva seems to be, by the way, not only raising the fact that everybody, no matter how poor they are, is seen as part of the upper class and has this minimum, but it also, it also lowers people that really do have wealth. He seems to be saying everybody is like poor upper class. Okay, money is not what matters. We all have equal dignity and status. Yes, right. Yeah, we're going to put it a different way. In other words, what... Someone ripping off your clothes is different than if you take off your robe to go into the shower. You know what I mean? And he get out of the way, but like, you know, it depends oh, on... Oh, that's an interesting point. That the act of shaming is not just the objective reality, it's having it done to you. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> right. That's an interesting point. Like, if I've got a little stain here and I spit on it, and I rub it off, that's a little different than you spitting at me. Yeah. <laughs> right. This is a very modern attitude that we don't find often for a from 2,000 years ago. That is, he, a person himself is not liable for his own degradation. You have a right to degrade yourself. Right. But someone else can't do that. Right, right. Actually, this reminds me of an interesting point <coughs> of Rabbi Akiva Benazai. Because, you know, Rabbi Akiva says, And Benazai says, no, So why, how is Benazai arguing? So you would think Benazai is a universalist. It's not just Reacha. It's Ben Adam, right? Everybody is made as human beings. And that is part, could be part of what he's saying. But actually, the Medrash goes on, and he says, because, he says, you know, if you're, you know, if you're willing to treat yourself in a uh, lowly fashion, okay, that doesn't give you a right to treat somebody else that way. 
So he's basically saying to Rabbi Akiva, Haftalurecha Kamocha would only, only, you know, only works if I, if I take care of myself and I respect myself. So let's say you don't respect yourself. It doesn't matter. You still have to respect the other person. Right? That's what Ben Azai is saying back. But, you know, it's interesting because Rabbi Akiva here is talking about people that don't respect themselves, you know, and he says it doesn't matter. That doesn't really change the respect that they are deserve, that they deserve towards themselves. So it's interesting to read this in the context of that. Yeah. Also, this happened in the show. That's like the worst place. Right. Exactly. And, and the other one happened in the. No, I think that's right. There, Petah Chatzera, because his. I think the street and there was just a robbing was going in front of so, her. Yeah. Uh, I got. Oh, it is still true. A shook is different than just the street. The shook is like everybody is yeah. robbing. That's true. Okay. Ibaylu. The Gemara says they raise the question. Amana When we say amana, a hundred zuz. Okay, are we talking about Suri coinage? Okay, which is basically, or are we talking about Mana Medina, which is one eighth of that value? All right, and the same would be true when we say a seller. Okay, normally we're talking about Mana Suri, when we say a Zuz and so on, but the question always is, like, you know, to determine that, it's a huge question. Is it, is it a very large value or is it an eighth of that? Tashma, come here. Somebody hit the ear of his friend. Also, a guy from Rabbi I came in front of Rabbi Yudha the grandson of Rabbi Yudha Nasi. Amalei said to him, Ha'ana, ha'Rabbi Yossi Aglili. Here am I, here's Rabbi Yossi Aglili. Remember what Rabbi Yossi Aglili said? He said, how much did Rabbi Yossi Aglili say? Amana, in the Mishnah, for hitting the guy in the ear. Behold, here am I, and here's Rabbi Yossi Aglili, and therefore give him a mana. So, what does that mean? I'm sorry. Ha'avlei mana tzuri. Give him a mana tzuri. So you see that he's interpreting the mission and Rabbi Yosef Levi as a monetary, the, the larger coinage. So Shemamina, monetary, Tanan, Shemamina. All right, that's a good proof. He said explicitly, monetary, that covers that, which means a very high amount. Okay, my high anaha Rabbi Yosef Levi. What does he mean? Here's me, here's Rabbi Yosef Levi. Ile Mahaki Kamerlei, here's what he means. Ha'ana de Chazitach, I saw you do it. And I Rabbi Yosef Levi, Dhamma monetary. And Rabbi Yosef Levi says it's a monetary. So you combine my testimony with what Yosef Levi's been, and you have to give him a monetary. Okay, one minute, zero having monetary. So then the Gemara says, one minute? It's not so clear you can do that? The um, Gemara says, Lememra, the eight not to That means that if you see something, you, you, the person who was the witness, could also turn around and be the judge. Right? Let's say witness, judge, and jury. Now they say prosecutor, judge, and jury. Anyway, so can the person who actually serves as a witness, also serve as a judge. Okay? Vatanya Vitana Vraisa, Sanhedrin Shiro Echa Sharagaz and Ephraim. The Sanhedrin was going on their lunch break, taking a walk down the street, and they saw a murder take place. Okay? So how are they going to deal with it? Mitzvotan says, you can't both be witness and judge. Some of you have to decide you're going to be the witnesses. The rest of you serve as the judges. Rabbi Akiva Omer, Rabbi Akiva says, Kulam Edemeh. They need not to die. But he says, no, if you saw something, even if you're not going to testify about it in court, the very fact that you saw it means you have to refuse yourself as a judge. Okay? So even as the Tosuf distinguishes between Aid Haroa and Aid Hamid. So Rabbi Kiva says, even an Aid Haroa, just seeing it maybe biases you. That's one of the reasons why you can't be a witness and a judge, because then you're not really willing to be objective. You're not able to be objective. So Rabbi Kiva says, just seeing you invalidates you from being a judge. So it's not happening in this case, but where it's like, what, they have, like, standbys? Yeah, they, they, they yeah. can be in a different Sanhedrin or something. They get yeah, in All right, anyway, right, you only need 23, you don't need to have Okay, so the Gemara says, one minute, um... Now, when is, Rabbi Tarfan who says they can serve as witnesses, 
He says the seeing doesn't invalidate them, but, he, but those that serve as witnesses actually are aid hamayis. They can't serve as dayanim. Okay, you either you have to take one role or the other. Although aid not the dayan lokamar, he doesn't say that the very person who is the judge can date sask in the din based on his own on his own testimony, what he himself saw. So how could this work? He says no. Kitanya he hears how it works. To go and when did when can a person not be witness and judge if he saw it at night? The because you can't hold a court case at night. So he basically what it's saying is like this: if I am the judge and I saw something, seeing something directly, although now we know that eyewitness testimony is like highly unreliable. But the point is, but then it's also unreliable when it comes to witnesses. So seeing something directly is no worse than hearing witnesses testify about it which makes a lot of sense, okay? Although maybe not. Maybe you're too emotionally involved, you're not objective, and that's some of the issues, okay? But my thing, it is possible you could see it, and that would be like accepting the testimony you're seeing of it, and then you'll be the judge of it. But that only works if you saw it at the daytime, because testimony can only be received in court during the daytime, okay? So if you were walking down with your basin of 23 in the daytime and you saw a murder, it's like you just saw somebody testify a murder to you, and you could talk about it. Okay, and in this case, about the guy who hit the ear, and he says, I saw you, it's, oh, I saw you during the day. That's like I accepted testimony about it. But this is a, this is good advice. If you have to do a crime, do it at night, okay? <laughs> but if you do it at night, okay, then it's not like, it, you can't be like you accepted testimony. So you have to wait till the next morning. And then some people have to act formally as witnesses, because you haven't yet received the testimony. And then once they're acting as witnesses, they can't turn around and act as judges. Okay? So the Gemara says like this. Um, that's why death takes place at night. Right. Okay. So that's one answer. Okay, yes, he saw it, but he saw it during the day, and that's like he receives testimony during the day. No, maybe he means something different. He didn't mean I saw you. Here's what he meant. That's probably what we would have assumed he meant. I hold like Rabbi Yosei the Amar Manatsuri. Here's me. I hold like Rabbi Yosei Okay, who says a Manatsuri. And there are witnesses that testify against you. So we weren't talking that he was the witness. There are witnesses. He's just saying, I hold, I'm the die in here, and I hold like Rabbi Yosei Aglili. Manatsuri. Go give him a Manatsuri. Okay. So now we're going to wrap up this discussion of Eid Nasadayim. The Sabarei Akiva, the Ain Eid does what Akiva really says that just by seeing something, you have to recuse yourself as a judge. Fatanya, think that Ishes Re'eu be'Evan or be'Egros, and says Lo Yemus Nafal Mishkaf. He doesn't die, you know. So whatever, then you have to pay, you know. Rakshi Toki Tengra Posi Rate. So Shimon of the Mani Omer, Ma Egros Miyuchat Shemotu Le'Edo Le'Edin. The same way your fist can be looked at, it says by a stone or a fist. Your son can be looked at by Ada. Ada is the community, means the judges, and by the witnesses. Both the witnesses and the judges can assess whether your fist was, you know, had enough power, you know, to do this type of injury, whether it's considered that you are to be fully blamed for the injury that was caused. So that so means it has to be assessed by the witnesses and by the judges. So this would be true about any murder instrument or you know or, or implement used for for creating injury has to be has to be assessed by the witnesses and the judges. If Aiden lost the murder instrument, 
or they lost the, uh, or the instrument that was used to inflict injury, and then even if they can testify, yes, it was an instrument that he should have known would have inflicted this injury, et cetera, et cetera, if the judges can't see it and assess for themselves, he says the guy gets off. Okay, so it's a very interesting halacha. You need the judges to be able to assess the instrument that was used for injury or murder. I don't know what that means. Okay. Being someone with a fist, how do you know? Like the judges can't necessarily say, "Oh, I saw it at this velocity." So yeah, so take a look. At, excellent. You anticipated Rabbi Akiva. I'm a little Rabbi Akiva. I mean, he was said to him, he be snake basing he call? I don't get it." So Basin can look at his fist, but they didn't see him hit him. It wasn't seen in front of Basin. She yodin kama he call? How many times he hit him? May he call? On you know with uh, you know on what he hit him? What part of the body he hit him? I, 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 um, I'll email Shoko or I'll see for Nacho. Was it by his thigh or was it by his, um, you know, actually Shoko's uh, calf or was it see for Nacho is someplace, I think, like a temple or, you know, someplace that's very subject to injury. Um, but, oh, let's say somebody pushed his friend off of the top of the building. From the top of the castle. And he died. And we want to determine was this something that normally would have led to death? So if the basin has to see this themselves, what are you going to do? Should they go on a field trip and have to go to go to look at this castle to see it by themselves? Oh, how about this idea? Let's open the castle into the court. But oh, let's say the castle fell down. What? Closer bonus? Let's rebuild it so we can assess whether we're going to kill the guy. So clearly, you cannot demand that the basin has to directly witness this stuff. There's no way they're going to be able to directly witness, you know, whether this stuff, you know, this and they have to rely on the aided. No, no, no. An angle can be assessed by the witnesses. That's all you need. You don't need the base to assess. You just need the witnesses to assess. Of course, you must have aid him. Anything that can be assessed by the witnesses. Perhaps, so what would that exclude? If the, if the smiter lost, you know, whatever, threw out the murder instrument or the injury instrument, okay, and the Adam can't find it, then he gets off, right? Because then they can't assess what was that instrument that was used. So, but ultimately, it only matters what the Aiden mean they saw it at the time. Yeah, but they have to look at it. Like, you know, saw me with a stone. Did you see what, you know, uh, if they were standing right next to you. If you could have seen at the moment enough to assess what, you know, its power, yes, but if you couldn't, then you would have to look at it afterwards. But, but they the don't have day, to bring it into the thing. No, they don't have to read it. That's where they, that's where they accuse it. They te- everything else they're testifying to, and they're not bringing into the basin. It's not like American law. You have to bring, you have to have the gun there. You have to have uh, the, do you? You have to have the murder. Not in evidence if it's not, content- whatever. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, okay. Anyway, Rabbi Akiva says it's enough that the witnesses testify to it. You don't need the basin to look at it. Mm-hmm. So the Gemara so says, every time you have to show Makay, right? The No, the smiter. Right, the Makay. Right. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, right. I mean, and they didn't have a good visual at the time. And they didn't have a good visual at the time. Okay. Now, why is any of this, it's a fascinating discussion, but why is any of this relevant to us? Ketani miyats amulah rabbi Akiva, v'chibi snei beitin hiko, shiyodim kam hiko. Rabbi Akiva said, did they do it in front of beitin? The beitin would be able to see what they did. But you know what that suggests? Ha'hiko v'snei amulah rabbi It suggests that if they had directly seen the event, they could have used that as evidence. But doesn't Rabbi Akiva say that as soon as they see something, they, are, they have to recuse themselves? So there's an obvious answer. No, he's just making an argument from within your point of view. Let me show you the absurdity of your argument. I don't hold that the basin witnessing anything could ever be done. As soon as you get involved in being a witness, you have to recuse yourself of being a judge. But you that say the basin has to be part of seeing it, there's no way they can see the specifics of the case. Okay, so let's continue on. What the so, fuck was it about? What? 
uh, about different scenarios of eight haroa, eight hamed, when you is not to die when not. Okay, let's take a look now because now that we talked about having to see the murder instrument or the instrument of injury, we're going to turn uh, uh, we're going to turn um, to that to a practical case. Tanurabana, short time. This really belongs in the first half of Bible Kama. Sheheni sehizu. So it's both murdered and this ox. So it's going to be a shorhaniska, but there's no payment, right, for a short for a short that kills. But it also did damage. Okay, now, meaning then, another time, later. Yeah, afterwards. Okay, now, remember, how does a short time pay from the body of the ox? If you make it into a short niskal, the guy who was damaged is not going to have anything to collect from it, because it's going to be after behanok. So what do you do? Done in so dini ain't done in so dini You have to make it a short niskal, not dini mominus. The guy, sadly, is going to be out. Was that because that's the order? Or would have been mom- Yeah, it's not clear. Yeah. It's not, yeah, that's a good question. Okay, that's a good question. Now let's say it was a, uh, an ox that was a mu'ah that the owner just pays cash. So in that case, you first do the dini mamanis judgment and then the dini mamanis. That's not clear why you have to care about that order. Have a short and it's called court case. And then you have a different court case where the owner pays the guy, you know, out of cash out of the pocket. Okay, if you did the DNA Fashos first, you don't do DNA Mamanis. Now, why does that make sense? So, Michael asked a question about the Tan. Would the order make a different thing with Tan? But we're going to focus on the Mu'ad. Why does the order matter for the Mu'ad? So, what if he became a Shurhanisko? Let's, let's have our court case and let the owner pay cash out of pocket. So, the Gemara for the for the Nezik. So, the Gemara says, Big deal if they did the DNA Fashos first and made him a Shurhanisko. Let's have the case about him being a Shor Hamazik and let the owner pay cash. So, I'm a rabbah. I found the rabbis of the yeshiva of Rav. The Yashi and they were sitting and saying the following. Or just my in run of Bay Rav just means basically not Rav necessarily. Rav was too, whatever, was too early. Meaning, I found the rabbis of the base Madrish that they were sitting and saying the following thing. How money will Shimonat pay money? This is where Shimonat pay money. You have to see the murder victim weapon, and you have to see the weapon of injury. So big deal. Alma the beinu. You need the basin to assess whether the object has the power to do the thing that it did. Okay. So what here is the object of injury? The ox. So basin would have to assess the ox whether the ox has the capability of inflicting the injury that it did under normal circumstances. The ha even the gamri dina once it became a Shoranifkal, Lo Mashina Lay Lundina de Bainina. We don't say, okay, we pass into Shoranifkal. Oh, wait, we have to wait a week for the next court case of Nezek and Basin don't kill the ox yet. Basin will have to inspect the ox directly to determine if it had the ability to inflict the injury that it did. No, you're not allowed to do that because you are postponing the execution, and this is so fascinating. We went through all of Bubba Kama about that you have to process the Sharnisco as if that you would, you would, the owner was, you know, the murderer and has all those requirements. Here we find that the same way if a person's convicted of murder or of a capital crime, you don't delay the execution because that is considered as like, you know, subjecting them to too much anguish because they know they're going to die and they have to wait, be waiting all this time. You also don't do it for the ox. Once you made the ox a Sharnisco, you can't wait. You have to execute it right away. It's not fair to the ox to wait too long. Okay. Is, that, is, the, is that the issue, or is the issue is once it's convicted as a Sharnisco, it has no value? I no, no, it's, it's, it's a muad. You pay out of cash. Uh, That's what. 
So we don't wait for umdin of Ladina, and we don't cause an inoy hadin, an affliction of the justice by having this poor ox have to wait till he gets executed. So that's their explanation, a very nice explanation. We will see tomorrow what Rubba says back to respond to this explanation.